Won't you be my last? I bet you can't help calling back. I bet you know I can't help coming back. I said I would. She's the first to make me feel like that. She's fond of hello, she's so fucking bad. She's bad as fuck. Yeah, incredible, rolling gas, she loved to smoke Throw that ass, she loved to fuck me, can't pass it up Just like the night, I hope it fucking lasts They hating, oh, they hope it burns down Hating, they wish us the worst I'm faded, they become a blur Now, I'm faded, all I see is her Eternity with you is worth it Eternity with you is worth You the first to call me back You the first one on my mind You the first to look me in my eyes You the first one on my mind You the first to call me back You the first one on my mind The first to look me in my eyes It's a big week. Actually, it's a slow news week. It's a, a slow week for us in general because we got so much into the year stuff that we're ramping up for you even more than me. Um, so this week, we are fucking dead. Um, kind of a throwback in a lot of ways to, you know, the old podcast we used to do, The Dead, with uh, with me and you. We would do Pod Blast as The Dead kind of brand. And, uh, and we're even going to be talking about Tetsujin, which is a show that we reviewed early on. Um, when we were first starting out doing podcasts. So I uh, figured that's suiting to, to to call out that and also reference the name of the show. This is the final Tetsujin tournament. Um, it wasn't, so even, it wasn't even a tournament this time, though. <laughs> and that was the thing that threw me off. As I started watching the show, I didn't even realize it wasn't a tournament until about halfway through, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because after the, the first four matches felt like, okay, those are the, you know, the tournament matches, and then the rest will be super fights or whatever. And then the Driller Dan Maloney match started, and I was like, "Why were they having five first round matches?" And then I looked up into it, and I'm like, "Oh, there's a. This is not a tournament. Um, this is just Tetsujin. So they did the final Tetsujin. We don't have a winner, but we have some. I thought we had some good matches. I see some people out there not enjoying this uh, that much. I heard some people saying it's better than any of the um, ambitions this year, which." Uh, it's kind of a watered down shitty brand overall at this point, unfortunately. I it kind of I don't know. What do you think, comparatively, um, and just in general, what did you think of Tetsujin this year? I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I feel like I've seen some things that weren't as complimentary. Our friend Simon wasn't very excited or enjoyed the show very much, but I liked it. I, it was a it's one of the only shows where I can see watching it and you come out of it feeling optimistic for what could be of the future and maybe it is the fact that things are so down in the, dr- in yeah, the, in the dreads like right that. now and you're just like okay um, you know when's any when's anything gonna be good when anyone's gonna st- when is anyone gonna step up but i don't know yeah, i enjoyed the show i, think, that that's, I, I that's think it's better than any ambition take, show that honestly. ww ran um, this year if i'm perfectly honest um what and they ran what three this year Yeah, I, yeah, and I think I think it's better than every ambition show that I saw that that I saw this year. So, uh, yeah, and, and I, I'm not, and it's obviously like that's not saying that it's a super high bar to have to reach or surpass. But I think for the fact that we've had so many shoot adjacent shows this year, 
that Tetsujin at worst being the second best one, depending on your mileage on the first Bloodsport from WrestleMania weekend, because I think most rational people would say Bloodsport, the second Bloodsport from this year sucked. So like, like at worst, it's the second best shoot adjacent tournament of the year. And at best, you can say it's number one. And I think there's a strong argument for that. Yeah, I think so. I think that the, the, the blood sport for mania weekend was pretty good in a lot of ways, but I, I liked this one more. Um, they both had different vibes. I think Bloodsport is more MMA, more modern MMA, or even like early 2000s MMA inspired, especially with, you know, Barnett. Um, and this is feels more world of sport, you know, of course, because it's it's uh, it's in England. That's going to kind of come across. But, you know, a little bit more of that vibe. And, and that speaks to me a little bit more in general. I don't know about you. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, overall... Um, pretty good show i thought um i enjoyed most of it um i don't know now i feel like do you want to just get into reviewing it and we can maybe do some news and notes and stuff at the end of the of the show does that work yeah sure we don't we know we know much actual wrestling to get to on this on this episode so maybe we can you know mess up the format a little bit do some wrestling first and then end up with some news yeah let's do that so so yeah um coming in i think Honestly, probably my favorite match was Michael May versus Jordan Brakes overall um, of the kind of non-super fight matches. Um, so, like, kind of the matches that I thought were in the tournament, basically, was kind of my, my, my takeaway initially there. Um, and then after that, I would say probably, you know, obviously Thatcher and Devlin was fucking great. Um, Honestly, when I look at it, in... We like when you go through like the history of the Tetsujin tournaments that we that we have had in the past from the one in twenty fifteen and the one last year. If they would have put together a Tetsujin tournament with the with the wrestlers that were on this show, I feel like that would have been a better tournament than a lot of the ones that we that we that we that we have gotten in the in, um, in the previous two. This is a really this was a really good group of wrestlers they had. And I think a tournament setting, it would have been really cool to see who they would have picked to go all the way, who would have been the win, who would have been the winners here. But I think that would have been an excellent show. I think it would have been an excellent tournament if they if yeah. they went that route. Yeah, definitely. I would have been excited to see Jordan Brakes moving forward in a tournament setting. I think that Ima- would... imagine if we had got like Luke Jacobs versus Jordan Brakes in like a semifinal or something. Right. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. It it was kind of a missed. Unfortunately, it's a missed boat on this not doing it. And I think you could have cut some of the, you know, if let's go from the concept that the first four matches would have been the first round of the tournament. I think you could have cut the Maloney match, the women's match, and just had the two super fights. And I think that it would have been a pretty kick-ass show and probably the best Tetsujin overall ever, honestly. And I think you still could have main evented with uh, with Thatcher and, and Devlin even with uh, the tournament final, I think. Honestly, that's a big enough match, um, and especially because you're—I don't know—did they say that the the WXW title was officially on the line? Yeah, that was an official title match. Yeah, so you know, I mean, that's pretty big. So I think you could have put the, and that was pretty cool, uh, honestly, to have Thatcher do something like that, putting putting the WXW title on the line in this setting um, was just obviously it's just again shows that putting the title on Thatcher for WXW was the right call because at least it's it's something for uh, for them to kind of look good. Um, I'm, I'm I'm really afraid he loses that belt, but I know. Like like for for right now, I go through his cage match, and there's a couple Thatcher matches I've missed from the end of the year that I'm gonna try to get in before we 
doors at 50. Like, I haven't seen the low-key match from MLW yet. I haven't seen any of the WXW sort of house show defenses that he's done so far. So, I want to squeeze that stuff in. But, yeah, like, just having Thatcher just brings new life back into the promotion. Even if, clearly, the promotion still isn't great and they have a whole bunch of bad things going on right now and they're not really using anyone great, just having Thatcher there helps so much. (laughs) Right, definitely. Well, um, yeah, so opening match... Jay Joshua versus Veit Mueller. Um, this was fine for kind of big, big beefy boy fight. Um, heavy striking, some you know, back and forth holds. But uh, I think the the issues that Simon had with the show overall in his reviews, I think, was epitomized the most in this match overall. But I think that he was a little bit harsher on other stuff than deserved to be. But this match, I think, you could I could accept kind of the criticism there that said i thought that Weitmuller, this is probably one of the better situations that i've seen him in and a lot of times in wxw he felt like you know he's trying to trying to pretend to be catch point guy you know he's almost like a baby walter in some ways and here he felt still a little bit like he's uh you know just a uh kind of a knockoff kind of walter s character and not necessarily like as big and impressive and badass but but definitely had his own thing i liked uh you know he even stole a walter spot with breaking the uh breaking the hands for the the sleeper and then hits the sleeper suplex out of that which i thought was cool to take a walter spot and make it his own um in a way so i kind of liked that um liked it for the finish i liked the way that the it was put over where it looked like this really the uh joshua was put out by the sleeper suplex but uh but Weitmuller slaps the sleeper or the sleeper back on afterwards, so he technically gets the submission. But it's more like he was out from the suplex. I kind of liked that uh, that finish. What did you think of the match overall? Yeah, you know that we've talked we talked about we've talked about Veit in sporadic moments on this podcast. But my biggest problem with Veit is that they try to present him as the next generation of Catchpoint, but if you look at him. A lot of the time, he just looks like a deer in the headlights. He doesn't have the same sort of aggression that Walter quickly developed in his early stages in wrestling, and Walter had his growing pains, too. If you go back to 2008 and all that stuff, like, while he's a good wrestler, he's a good guy for the experience he has, he was clearly a baby, still trying to figure things out, work around his size, figure out what he should be. And I think Vite is going through those stages right now, but... That's my biggest problem with him when he's been put in these prominent spots. And here, he's seen way more comfortable than any time I've seen him in WXW. Uh, yeah, that's I, I, a good I think point, I, too. I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, think, yeah, I was saying that because a lot of the time I think Vite is being put in there with people that are of higher stature than him in the company because Vite is so new. He sort of he feels like he's not imposing his will the same way that he, should, that he probably should be given his size and like the act that he's going for. And right here, where he's the bigger name in a, in a match going against a guy in Jay Joshua who's good, but clearly not on the same level of name of, of Vite, Vite kind of controls him, and he's mean and he's dominant, and you get to see a little bit more attitude out of Vite than we usually see in WXW because it feels like Vite's kind of backing off to his superiors. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say that's a really good point there, um, that this is a setting where he's able to kind of step up a little bit more um and uh and so that helps him look a little bit better than sometimes he's a little bit i guess outclass you'd say or just a little bit above his league in uh in wxw so yeah really i thought good showing from Vite um here jay joshua was interesting too he kind of 
he kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Jonah Rock, kind of had kind yeah, of a, little a bit. similar a similar vibe, especially Jonah when he was in the the ambition. Um, so yeah, after that we uh, follow up with, like I said, I think maybe <laughs> I shouldn't say match of the night for me, but but you know from the ones that really felt like in the spirit of Tetsujin, uh, match of the night with Jordan Breaks versus Michael May. Um, these guys, yeah, a lot more on the mat, a lot more really technically proficient and you know you're gonna get it from me when you finish off a match with the banana splits or a splatel uh big fan of that move so i love seeing it and he, he busts that out here to get the uh get the win over michael may but yeah what did you think of the match here quentin yeah i, I think me and you are in unison here really liking both the, both of these guys they're two of the brightest prospects that we have in the european wrestling scene right now as far as a style that me and you both enjoy and other people listening to this probably probably enjoy too. So when it got announced, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, this is right, this is right up my alley. And it, def- and it didn't disappoint. It's the same kind of mat work and smart, proficient wrestling that you would imagine in your head that these two would do. And I can see some people saying it's boring and it's not really interesting. They're not going for, the, for a lot of interesting or creative ideas. Neither of them are super emotive guys, but... Again, for the roles that these two guys, uh, these two guys um, are in, and in, in the in the style that they're going for, that's per- that's perfectly fine with me. When people say Michael May is boring or that he has no charisma, I mean that's perfectly fine with me. If that's the style that he wants to work, then you don't really have to be this overly charismatic person. And this lived up to all the hype that I had in my head going for it, and I think you might have had the same level of excitement. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, actually, you know what's funny is I really... I came into this super haphazard. I mean, I just watched it. I hadn't heard anything. I just put it on, started watching. Wasn't really paying attention. I, I get it, but then, like, if you go and look at the card, which I think Tetsujin was a really sneaky show because it didn't have the same promotion and hype behind it that the previous that the previous one did. But yeah. if, you just, if you just looked at the card and you were aware of who these people are and the, and the names on here, like... A lot of people didn't know who the Young Guns were, and if you pay if you pay, pay attention a little bit, they're guys that have been in the Manchester scene and been working their way up a little bit. So everyone's like, "Oh shit, who are these? Who's fucking Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs?" They just went out there and killed it. But we were like, "But I saw it, and I'm like, oh hell yeah, Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs are probably going to go out there and have a great match." So I think in that way, Tetsuya was one of the sneaky shows of the year because. It's stuff that seems sort of innocuous on paper, and then it happens, and it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that, because this could end up being my show of the year, honestly. Um, and it's so late in the year, it feels like recency bias. But, yeah, I mean, so much great stuff. Um, and especially that match you mentioned. But uh, but uh, we have in between that, and I'll let you... Uh, I'll let you talk about this one first because it's got your your boy in there. Um, and unfortunately, we go from a match that has a move, you know, a finishing move that I'm oh, 100% constantly a mark for to a match that has the finishing move of something that always pisses me off. Uh, Danny Jones versus Scotty Davis here. Um, and in the YouTube. Oh, I didn't even finish my thought, actually. I'm sorry. So uh, before we get to it. So, yeah. So I came in here kind of haphazard and wasn't really paying attention, didn't know what was coming on. And I was just looking at the graphics and breaks for some reason jordan breaks can switched me up in my brain and i was confused and i even was looking at him but the pictures and i saw the name jordan breaks and i saw the picture of michael may and i thought it was chris ridgeway versus jordan (laughs) breaks for some reason wait and yeah 
mean, so like, I was like, <laughs> Chris, yeah, I was Michael really May doesn't have tattoos. <laughs> I know, but I just the picture. I was like, oh, is that Ridgeway's hair is different? Is basically what I thought. Like his he got his hair looks a little bit different, but I was like, I okay, it's Ridgeway versus Breaks. I think I was getting confused because I was thinking of Ridgeway from World like World of Sport. How it kind of sounds like a World of Sport name, and then Breaks, and so I was like, oh, it's a you know that I think was the confusion. And then the match is starting. I'm like, oh, it's Michael May. Awesome. Like, you know, not that I don't like Ridgeway, but it would have been weird having him here in this setting against this in this match. And Michael May, I mean, to say that, like, he does kind of remind me of early Ridgeway, a little bit less of the striking base, but in the same thing that you were saying in that he gets the this guy has no charisma tag put on him. But he's really got a kind of a hard ass, badass charisma, but it's like really subdued. Um, and so people just don't notice it. So, yeah. So, yeah. And then we'll go into the uh, go into the next match here with, like I said, your boy, Scotty Davis versus Danny Jones. What did you think of this, Quentin? Scotty's frustrating, man. Like, <laughs> Scotty, Scotty's frustrating. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't even really remember the, the finish of this match off the top of my head, but it sounds like it annoyed you, but Scotty No, it's just should... the Falcon Arrow into the sleeper that Scroll used to always do. I fucking hate that. Oh, move. fuck. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. <laughs> no, was, I like Danny Jones too. So again, this, this was a show where I see, I see that match on paper and I'm like, oh shit, like that should be really good. But I feel like Scotty in these situations kind of lets me down. I didn't, I wasn't really a big fan of Scotty and Ambition. And again, with Scotty's actual amateur wrestling background and how how legit he was, and if you just watch how he does transit transitions and ankle picks and all that stuff, it's clear that Scotty knows what he's doing. But it's like this: it's like a it's like imagine it's like imagining if Matt Riddle did ambition and then wasn't good at it because just right. you know you like you know like the level of credentials that Matt Riddle is bringing into it. So if he just goes in there and he's lackluster in ambition. And he's doing everything else, but feeling like he's being in a legitimate fight. You're like, well, what the what the fuck are you in this for? Same thing with Scotty Davis, where you know Scotty Davis has legitimate credentials, and he's going out there, and you're looking at him, and it's like, like what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, it's fine, but you just expect more out of Scotty Davis. So if I had to pick a like a most disappointing match on the show, it would probably be this. Yeah, I can definitely see that, and and I liked I liked some of the fireworks from Davis. I thought that like the 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 kind of swooping kick hook kick that he does regularly the big head and arm suplex the the olympic slam some of the fireworks that he threw in here worked but it was stuff that was coming straight from his pro style matches it was his big signature spots in pro style matches and it's interesting because as i was thinking about it and what you're saying i'm like you know it's kind of he's wrestling more pro style i was thinking he needs to to partner up with his uh with his other daddy and go to uh to david Starr rather than uh i was thinking jordan devlin but devlin devlin does act- this style really well yeah which is something we're gonna talk about devlin's actually really good at this right so i was gonna say like i was thinking like he's being pro style like devlin would be in the setting but actually devlin did not do that um so i don't know where what's up with davis but yeah he's kind of missing a step now two times in a row in a in shoot style settings really showing off what he can do and again i think my the reason why i think of star being the one that could help him with that is because star is another amateur background guy who could kind of help him bring that amateur background into a shoot style setting maybe if he could kind of pick that up from him because star does that really well um but yeah I, i mean disappointing definitely definitely a good word for this one um the next match again i mean this kind of fit into the mold of of Former ambition matches uh, last year um, was it uh, was I had Craig 
I can't remember something Craig and uh, and Ridgeway who were like training partner buddies who who had come up together. Um, well, yeah, the last year Setsujin, where no one knew who the other guy was, yeah. and then they go out there and they like have like a really awesome match. Yeah, that was this as well, where it's two guys who are super familiar with each other in the Young Guns, and they beat the snot out of each other. So, Quentin, what did what did you think of this one? This this fucking rock, man. Like I saw the rumblings about this a few days a few days after the event had happened about how great it was and how it knocked everyone on their ass, and. Again, if you pay attention, the young guns have been working their way up through the scene for a little for a little bit now. These are these are guys that have rest, have wrestled on progress this year. Uh, probably the hottest names other than Ridgeway out of out of Man, out of Manchester right now. So, so I knew, I knew who the young guns were. They're not like you know they're not super different from each other. They look kind of they look kind of similar. Obviously, they wear similar gear. They're a tag team. So you're looking at them and you don't really know like. Which is which, but then they they work it in a way where right off the bat it lets you know Luke Jacobs is not one for fucking games. Luke Jacobs is not here for anything other than to kick some kick someone in the fucking face, and this is mean and violent and petty. Um, one of the things I love about shoot style adjacent settings like this is in like regular shoot style. I don't think striking gets treated as this sort of knockout thing as much as I would like you know when we go like throughout UWFI and rings and all, and all that stuff and even um, the first iteration of, of UWF and, and, event, and eventual stuff after that I don't think striking really gets its due as a potential match ender it's a lot of it's a lot of grappling based stuff which I don't have a problem with but something I love about this shoe style, shoe style adjacent stuff and while it's not as traditional, or that the grappling might not, might not be as good as you know Tamora's or Volkan's or whatever, what you get is you get more unique approaches to the match structure. So as they're doing these more typical pro wrestling things, like the straight up stomp to the head, they're selling it like it's a knockout. Like oh hold on hold on hold on let me check on him like let me check on him because if someone just is stomping a guy in a wrestling match, the referee is gonna look at him, but it's not he's not gonna be checking to see if the person is knocked out. Here you're getting stomps to the head and kicks to the head and slaps where every time another one is landing, you're check you're checking to see if the referee's about to stop the fight. And I think that's why I enjoy these more adjacent settings. Because I like the fact that the striking is being used as an actual um as an actual weapon in here instead of just every you know that eventually is gonna just gonna end with a submission. And this is mean as fuck. And there's two young guys going out there and taking advantage of opportunity. There's not much, too much more to say there. I mean, these two guys went on there and they weren't the biggest names. They weren't the most anticipated match, but they left it being like, holy shit, like Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs might be like the saving graces of of English independent wrestling, which obviously isn't true. They're not going to save English independent wrestling by themselves, but it's one of those things I was talking about where it gives you a little beacon of hope because you see these guys and you're like, oh, okay, like there's still good stuff here. Just as a matter of promotions not being cowardly and not relying on other stars so much that they have to shut down. Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, these are the guys. And, and you hear people talking about what are you going to do with UK wrestling? And it is like forego NXT UK talent. Just don't book them and book these guys. Book the guys that you can you know know that you're going to be able to bring them in and use them and 
give them a shot. And that's, I mean, that's what made the UK scene grow as much as it did to begin with. That's, like, that's yes. why, that's, this is why Riptide works. This is why, like, IWL works, is that it's the sort of, like, people that haven't been discovered yet, or it's the people that are put together and put together in this island of misfit toys. You know, use your TK Coopers and Chuck Mambos, and then throw on your Ethan Allens and Luke, and Luke Jacobs and all that stuff. Because those guys, those guys are still going to be there. Stop being stop being so reliant on having to bring in these other stars. We talk about the English promotions closing and all that stuff. And while a lot of it is rooted in NXT UK, a lot of it is rooted in the reality of a lot of these promotions popped up a hitch their wagon to guys that were already established. So when you so when you do that and you didn't grow anybody and now these guys can't work your shows anymore, now you should out of luck. Do it yeah. how Riptide's doing it. And you'll be able to sustain that, and you'll be able to eventually grow. And Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs are perfect guys to build around. Yeah, I mean, Riptide started late in the you know UK scene, but but they were definitely there was still during the heyday if you could just book the the people that everyone knew. But Riptide had some of those people on, but they built Spike Trevay, Chris Ridgeway, even though at the time he was like starting to be seen places, he wasn't a big Chuck, big name. Chuck, Mom, he, Chuck Mambo, Chuck Candy Mambo, Floss, like. yeah, and they made these people these are our people this is our scene we've got our guys that aren't being used everywhere they're not the nxc uk guys and they're special in our promotion and that's why riptide is now one of the only promotions that matters i mean you know then later on you've got car noir becomes a guy there like so it, it does well, yeah, totally to- they, they, to- they totally get credit for car noir like car noir yeah. worked everywhere but if i have to give one promotion credit for car noir consistently getting these showcase matches and I think a lot of people called on the Kara after the after the pack match, but Kara was getting showcase matches at Riptide way before that. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I also really loved this match. Uh, one thing to compare it to is that we just watched a big uh, tag team partners in a death match against each other in uh, ECCW a couple weeks back, and similar thing. And it's a similar thing where it's the scene. It feels like this scene that's starting to bubble up on the backs of of people who are really close working together, tagging together, wrestling against each other and just like young and hungry. And that seems to be what, what does it and gets these scenes to pop up. So, uh, so, you I mean, know, like, hist- like historically, like go back to 2012, man, what's the big, what's the big thing off of the first few progress shows people are talking about is fucking Zack Sabre Jr. Versus Marty Skrull on, yep. on, 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 that was on one of those first few chapters. You know, it's a, it's a proven thing. It's a, almost a foolproof thing that, you find two young guys that are hungry, they know each other, and they know that they're both as passionate and willing to go out there and do whatever it takes to leave that to have that crowd leaving, remembering who they are and what their names are. That like that that is a foolproof thing that's gonna sit there and set you up for the future nicely. I mean, and obviously yeah. Tetsujin is dead. So Yeah. Like, that, like so that's not like they're gonna capitalize off this. But I'm hoping that other promotions in the area are looking at this. I'm seeing that Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs are guys that, like we like we need to put them in the forefront. Yes, no, definitely. So yeah, I thought that Luke Jacobs, like you said, comes out looking like a like a a world beater, a badass, hard ass who who doesn't take shit. But Allen did really good selling from underneath. I thought underdog babyface. Um, really like the double arm bar, the like kind of mounted surfboard where where uh, Jacobs grabs the teeth or grabs the rope with his teeth. Um, the, the selling was so good in this. Like, yeah, like gotta yeah. give credit to Ethan Allen there. Both of them sold really well, but like again, that's what I loved about it. the selling of the striking. It's not like they were just in this big pissing contest. Ethan Allen looked like he was on the brink of death several times. 
Yeah, great underdog babyface seller here, honestly, from, from Allen. This match, though, I would say for my biggest kind of takeaway, it's overall was on the entire show, but you mentioned the striking, but this match I think was the most egregious in the striking and other big spots where, unfortunately, it makes the referee look bad to me that Taz is letting some, like, really, like, you know, shady looking stuff where he's letting the fight continue on in stuff that looks like guys are not intelligently defending themselves guys are not responding yeah, yeah, you talked about looking- that before when, we, when we've done shoot style adjacent stuff about in this situation because referees not being as familiar with you know shoot style stuff or legit stuff that they're just sort of doing regular refereeing and like yeah. so if in a, an actual fight like that'd be like, hey, dude, this guy should be fucking fired because he let this dude take brain damage. Yeah, exactly. And and unfortunately, you know, I can't, I can't, I won't blame the referee here because Taz has a lot of experience in it. And it really is just the way that a lot of people were structuring their matches, unfortunately, that makes the ref look bad, but you can't blame him completely. But it was on the entire show. There was a lot of times where I'm just like, God, like this looks like the referee should, shouldn't be letting this continue but that is the thing is that this is shoot style adjacent i guess right it's not pure shoot style and the rules aren't as are strict it's just for my taste as i watch i i personally am like uh you guys should do a little bit better job of, of structuring this more like a real fight in the believability aspect of that that some stuff is just a little bit too over the top to be believable um that it could happen in a real fight you know without like that it wouldn't get called off because of the rules so yeah, that was that was kind of this match. I thought was probably the biggest one for that. But again, the striking and and the and the selling and everything was so phenomenal. And I wouldn't want the match to end, you know, on the first kick to the head. But it, like it looked like if it was a real fight, there were some kicks in there where it's like, yeah, the ref would be calling this off um, at this point. So yeah, that's another thing too is like soccer kicks are allowed, which like you know in Pride they were allowed, but in a lot of MMA they're not because of how brutal they are so when you see them just happening you're like oh god this match needs to be over because like I just got full force kicked in the fucking head like you know so yeah that was kind of kind of the an issue here um uh next match super fight well, I was about, to, I was about, I was about oh, to say it's, I was about to say it's really something that both of Chris both of Chris Ridgway's students are better than him <laughs> well you know it happens uh look at you know, davy richards right he's yeah got, uh, yeah it happens yeah it happens <laughs> it's yeah. like I, I forgot i forgot i know there was one that i was thinking of but there's a lot of cases of someone just not being that good of a wrestler but it's like damn they just have oh i think it was elix skipper i think oh. like elix skipper had kept turning out those wwa4 guys it's like god damn elix skipper was fine but he wasn't that good like what's going on here <laughs> uh or no mr hughes was oh, oh yeah, Mr. Hughes, Mr. Hughes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Elix Skipper, I don't think, trained anybody. But, uh, Elix Skipper was there, but I thought, he, I thought he was part of it, but... No, I don't know, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember completely. Um, either way, uh, the next match... This match was considered a super fight, but to me, it's not. Maybe because I'm not super familiar with Alexander Dean. I don't know if you are. Um, Dan Maloney versus Alexander Dean. Like I said, this I put would have put in the same level as the other matches. The matches before it is like when it said prospect um that said i thought that this it was good and intense but i thought that for it to be like this is on the tier of super fight it should have been guys who felt more legit and more like brought had an aura of badass to them and it's funny because maloney has upped his game when it comes to that in like fight club where he comes across like more of a badass now and has an aura to him. But for some reason here, it didn't come across. And like I said, not super familiar with Dean. I thought he looked super slick. And obviously he's got some kind of catch wrestling background because he's really, really proficient on the mat when it comes to that. But, but this, I think 
for this to be in the classification to act as if this is a super fight, then either I wanted these guys to have come across like more like they're just pure badasses, or it could have been like kind of a more maestro grappling, you know, um, exhibition type match, but it really didn't suit either role really well. And maybe that was because it was too much of a clash of styles between the two guys with Maloney playing more of a powerhouse, um, in there kind of doing some grappling and, and, uh, and well, like Dean being more of the grappler. Well, like, let's be honest, like, Dan Melody shouldn't be on the show. He he doesn't, he that's not anything that he's ever done. And in the times where he's been put in positions like to wrestle Timothy Thatcher, he looked completely out of his death wrestling Timothy Thatcher. And he looked out of his, and he looked out, of, he looked out of place here. And I don't, like, and, and I just was, it was a weird, it was a weird booking, in my opinion. Alexander Dean, yeah. he's, he's on a few WXW shots this year. Uh, some ice, some ICW Irish guy. So, but you know, he's it's one of those cases where you see someone that's Irish and you're like, huh, like I wonder why that guy isn't booked on OTT shows. And it's he's fine, but I just it just felt like Dan was so out of his death here, and that Alexander clearly knew what he was doing. But I think trying to work around Dan and Dan being so limited in what he believes that shoot style adjacent stuff should look like I, di- I didn't think that was go- like you were gonna get anything that was really worthwhile here like it was fine but i think alexander dean impressed me more than dan did here yeah yeah that's that's fair i mean maloney was on the first tetsujin so i can see wanting to bring him back but he's not a good fit um and and yeah he just he really didn't serve a, a strong role here at all and, uh, a, I'm on Alexander Dean's cage match, and holy fucking shit, this guy has actually been around since like the, like 2005. Yeah, like, I, I think he's one of the, he's probably one of these layoff guys. He's probably one of these guys who like wrestled a bit early on and then kind of took a long time off. This dude then, was around. What this dude was around? He was um Sean South back then, but he was he was around when Madman Manson and Sheamus were still on the Irish independent wrestling scene. Huh, yeah. Hmm. I guess I mean, yeah, the Irish scene just doesn't really exist, you know, for the most part for for that for most of this decade. So yeah, that's why I bet he's kind of a guy who's had some shots here and there and he could do his thing in grappling. He's probably coming back a little bit more because it's wrestling's kinda hot right now, but, but I don't know if he's been really on the grind this whole time. That's so. what I'm looking at. So Yeah. He's he's wrestling from two thousand five to two thousand eight somewhat consistently and then I'm looking to see when the when the break is. Yeah, he takes like a big break from like 2012 to 2017, and he's been like somewhat. Yeah. he's been like somewhat consistent since then. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys who who do that or did that. It seems just because the you know the 2000s era was so, so in the dumps for the indies, and then then it kind of stuff got hot, and it's like, hey, if I can get some bookings and you know have some fans there, why the fuck not? Yeah. You know, you know, I can understand it. Um. So up next, first time on the final show, they have a women's uh, match here with uh, Danny Luna versus Millie McKenzie. Uh, kind of, what were your thoughts on this one, Quentin? Another one where I liked. I came away more impressed with Danny Luna than I came came, came across than I was with Millie here. And Millie sort of runs into the same problem as Dan, where in their matches, 
Dan and Millie get presented as like somewhat of these powerhouses. Millie obviously is a little bit of a joke considering that she's a, she's a lot smaller than a than her opponents. But Dan, like real big guy, barrel chested, so he gets this powerhouse role thrust thrusted upon him. But again, with Millie, she doesn't have that kind of background. It's not really extensive with her. So as she's doing it, and it's a good match. Like on any other show, it's a good match, which is why I'm not dragging on um, dragging on it too much. But again, it's just a case of I felt like Danny Luna had got the idea more, and Danny Luna seems like she has she's dealt with it a little bit more, and Millie McKenzie was doing what she thinks should be done more instead of actually knowing what she should be doing in a situation like this. Yeah, this is another one where it felt a lot more like a pro style wrestling match, like you like you mentioned there. Luna did seem like she brought in the aggression, and uh, and I liked the finish for her with the big pound just kind of power bombs and then grounded pound i like um, i like danny luna a lot yeah luna came across good here um millie again felt like she was just having a wrestling match and it's funny because she's so good i mean she's doing such a great job in in japan um she's done such a good job since early on but then in a setting she's, like she's this, really she's really versatile like millie like millie doesn't get talked about the way she should be she is has been like a prodigy level women's wrestler that we've had at first she's come in and you're like okay she's good but she's kind of limited and everyone's bumping for her and going crazy for her and as the years go on she develops into a pretty solid heel medusa complex is a great tag team i feel like people just after the hype died down they weren't focusing as on as much on millie but she's really great yeah and she's again i mean that's a really good point is after all the buzz died down she's continued grinding and she's working it out and again she's doing tours of japan regularly at this point and just getting better and better and so it's like the buzz isn't there and people aren't paying attention but she is consistently improved like the entire time so you know shout out to her and it just it sucks that it doesn't work in this setting because again me and you are both fans of her and fans of this style and then to have her not work in in the style is a bummer because you want someone that you like to do good in something that you like but she really doesn't and luna looks good here i mean luna i would like to check out more but i i wonder if in pro style matches she brings the same level of aggression i don't i don't know if she does but i thought she looked really good here um next matchup so, and again so that one like calling it a super fight i hate to say it but it feels like tokenism and it feels like because they're women it can be a super fight which i can understand i think maybe special attraction would work a little bit better honestly they should have only called the top two matches super fights as far as i'm concerned and even then i maybe wouldn't have called uh star versus a kid a super fight you know you know just to what the fuck do they care right they're dead this is it but it just yeah, feels it like it doesn't matter like they're not they're not gonna take, take these notes like hmm good, yeah. good point sam we're gonna yeah. find this the next show but but you know what i mean just like for the brand for the branding of using those terms yeah, i think totally. we should use them correctly so you know whatever um but yeah david star versus a kid um david tried his ass off but i don't know man a kid is just not for me i just i don't i don't know you know and a kid had a kid is he is fascinating man like yeah so like he clearly is a student of amateur and shoot stuff he knows what he's doing like i'll never take that away from a kid i think like he might not be the most interesting when it comes to guys that transition into doing like the big super indie move fest but as far as this stuff like what he did here and some of the stuff in the Zack match, the guy knows what knows what he's doing on the mat. Uh, even the even the, a little bit of the, of the Devlin match from earlier this year, I think in January, the guy knows what he's doing. So when he's doing this, I enjoy him way more than when he's trying to be super indie moves guy when he's not particularly good at that. But even still, 
just severely outclassed by David Starr. Granted, like David Starr is the best wrestler in the world, so it's, it's gonna it's gonna be hard there. That's a up that's an uphill battle. Even like in the Zach match when that happened, he's battling he's fighting the best wrestler in the world. So yeah. the finals of like, ambition, so, the finals of uh, wild card ambition. He's wrestling the best wrestler in the world. You know, I mean, so yeah, so, so he so he has a, he has an uphill battle here, but I think. He, he, he oftentimes he just looks outclassed. Obviously, a kid is a master master Griffsman, You know, finagled his way into a WWE contract off the, off the strength of two matches. You know, gotta respect gotta respect that. But yeah, I, I get it. I'm not a big a kid fan either. But I like him more in this in this setting than I like him anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right in that he looks good. He looks like he's really sparring when he's in the shoot style settings, which I think is, is nice. Um, a lot of people don't look like, don't really pull that off. And he does. He I'm brings an intensity. He, 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 knows, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, especially I think David Starr is the kind of guy who likes to get in there and really, you know, do it. Um, so I think these guys are, are probably pretty close to a shoot comparatively with what's going on here. And it, and it's good. It, I mean, it's really enjoyable and it's compared to the rest of what a kid does. Yeah. I mean, you know, He's he works for this, but I mean I saw a kid live against uh, fuck I can't even remember who it was oh against Lucky Kid and it was like Ooh, the crowd was God. losing it was PWG and the crowd was going bananas for the striking and I heard people talking about it like match of the night because of them beating it. and it was just to me it was just bland and boring and they were stiffing each other and they were you know it was kind of good in some ways but but yeah I mean he's just. And what does does WWE even do anything with him? Like, why is he on? Why is he contracted? I don't. Do they use him on any shows? I don't even see him. I mean, is he I'm, on NXT? I mean, I mean, allegedly. Like, I'm, like yeah. so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna act like pretend. I pretend I'm an expert on what NXT UK is doing. Even though like, I watched one match of theirs last week. Yeah, but I just, I swear, I feel like I don't hear that he's even on that show. I guess I don't hear about anybody being on that show. But it's just so funny that he fucking has a WWE contract for what for what reason? Um, because they, because they're signing because they sign anybody that has any modicum of buzz. So they saw that a kid. Oh, we've had matches with Zack Saber Jr. and Will Ospreay. Those are right. British guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna sign a kid now. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, I mean. Star looks amazing here. Star has, I mean, you said it. I mean, this is feels like Star's year. Um, he's just been so fucking good. He's so on, and it, and and the thing is, is that people talk about it, and you know, I wanted to mention it in the news bits a little bit, but you know, talk about Star being this um, this gimmick worker and this feud worker and this you know, telling stories over matches worker and all this, but then you can strip it down and go bare bones. And we've got this and we've got last year's Tetsujin with the super fight with Saber and he can do all of that, but he can also do this. And it's just the versatility. You talk about versatility and skill. I mean, David Starr is such a high level performer in every aspect of wrestling. I mean, anyone um, saying that like has only been aware of David Starr in like the last like two years, David Starr was around before that and not have and been only few that he had going on on a consistent basis was, what Joey Janela, yeah, Dave McDave Christ. Like other than JT that, that's Dunn. what Davis. Yeah, that's what that's what David Starr was doing, going around and just having random, really good matches everywhere he went. That's how we. That's how he made his name. So yeah. that, that's a that's a really weird thing to hear, and it just and it just reeks of not actually not actually having watched David Starr that, oh, that much. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't mean to say that people are saying that's all he does. I'm saying that like that people talk about that, like how good he is at that, and that's what makes him wrestler. Okay, gotcha, kind gotcha. of conversation. You know what I mean? But then it's like, 
But you can also tear all of that away and he can give you this performance, which is just, again, it just, the guy is so good. So fucking good. Um, I was doing a little, you know, background research to find out about A-Kid. Um, and uh, we'll just say that I got some information about him in a shoot style setting. And uh, I was told pretty good and uh, ridiculously strong. So doesn't really show. You don't really pick that up watching it. But I guess A-Kid's I feel, actually I, very I feel, strong. I feel, I feel, I feel like he has probably has like strong hands. Like he yeah, just, right. I feel like he feel, feel like he, has, like he probably has a really strong grip. Yeah, probably, probably. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like I talked about, he's probably a guy who really does like to roll around and grapple, and 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 that's fun for him, and it shows because he feels at home in these settings at least, and he doesn't look out of place. Um, but he does then unfortunately look out of place because he goes up against guys who are the best in the fucking world repeatedly. It seems. Um, so yeah, main event. Challenger versus champion. It's weird to think of uh, uh, Jordan as not being the champion. Um, Thatcher versus Jordan Devlin. Uh, WXW Unified Championship, but Thatcher's defending it in a shoot-style setting on a shoot-style tournament, so it's perfect. Talked about it earlier for, for Thatcher. I mean, this is why you put your fucking title belt on Thatcher, is to have him do stuff like this, you know what I mean? To show up at Bloodsport and defend the title against, you know, Shuji Ishikawa or something. Um like not Shuji Ishikawa, Yuki Ishikawa. Um, pardon me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like, this is the kind of thing. Could you imagine if the next blood sport you did Thatcher versus, uh, like Josh Barnett for the WXW title? Like that would be pretty cool, you know? Um, yeah. but you know, probably won't happen, but still that's like kind of the cool thing about you put your title on Thatcher is you get this kind of stuff, this gritty realism where he's having a fight. Um, and that was what this was. I mean, I don't know. Let me, uh, I guess I'll let, no, yeah, go ahead, Quentin. What were your thoughts on this? Um, I think, I think, and I've thought this all, and I've thought this this whole, this whole year, but Jordan Devlin, while he's gotten a lot of buzz and praise this year, and we're going to talk about it justly for, for how much, for how much he actually deserves that. But I still feel like there is, Still might be underrating Jordan Devlin a little bit, man. Jordan Devlin is right up there with David Starr as the mo- as being like the most complete wrestlers in the world. And clearly, Jordan isn't the promo that David Starr is. But from being able to go and work in tag work tag team stuff, go and work in these shoot style adjacent settings, go and work big pro style epic drama filled main events show up on any show up on any show and have the, and have the match of the, have the match of the night work heel work babyface all of that stuff work conservatively Jordan Devlin gives you everything and with David Starr you expect him to go out there and like oh yeah he was a national national champion level um high school high school amateur wrestler that makes sense that he's going to go out there and be so good in Tetsujin I don't know Jordan Devlin's background. I'm not going to pretend to know it, but Jordan Devlin feels like a guy that's worked to learn everything that he has done in pro wrestling. It's not like he had this extensive background in all these sports, but um, like when, well, other than pro wrestling, other than pro wrestling, which is kind of funny with him wrestling Timothy Thatcher when Thatcher has like a similar background where he's so studied specifically because he's in pro wrestling. And I get the same feeling from Devlin. I think Devlin has worked on his striking because of pro wrestling. I think Devlin is a better mat worker because of pro wrestling. And I think Devlin really showcases these things here where the big boxing spots that have been tailored into all of Devlin's big matches 
in the last year or so from Walter to David Starr. It's become a signature moment and spot for him in his matches. And I, I anticipated this. I was looking forward to it, but I was like, man, I can't wait to see Devlin through, do that four-punch combo in this match with Thatcher. Because I'm like, oh, God, Thatcher's going to sell it so well in this truth-style setting, and they're going to set it up well, or set it up well and all that stuff. So, I, 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 other than me just raving about Devlin right there, Thatcher's great, obviously. This is what he's made for. This is what he loves to do. And it's two of the best wrestlers in the world going out there and having a great match. They sell really well. Uh, I love the I love the knockout finish. It's not something that you expect from Timothy Thatcher. You usually expect the submission victory, but Thatcher showing a little bit of that ruthless streak and getting a knockout victory over Devlin. Awesome, awesome match. But my biggest takeaway is Jordan Devlin just might be the best wrestler in the world if we really sat there and thought about it, just based off how he can do everything, and he still might be a little underrated. Yeah, no, I think. I think I'm with you there that I don't think that people necessarily appreciate just how good Jordan has gotten this year, especially in general. He's gotten very good, but this year he's been. Oh, by, oh, and by the way, Jordan, like he hasn't done it this year, but Jordan can fly around with like everybody. Oh yeah. I mean, he's a great flyer as well. And that was if kind it, of the thing. It, like, if, you, if you remember the Will, the Will Ospreay match that people went crazy for last year, full of the most insane reversals you'll see anywhere. Jordan can fly and do the athletic shit with anybody, but he's toned it down to like work a more story in um, drama, drama oriented style. But Jordan Devlin can literally do everything. Yeah. I mean, that was, you talk about it, but being standing here toe to toe and seeming legit with Thatcher is really impressive. When you think about that too, that he can also do that with Osprey, you know, with Ricochet, with, you know, everyone. And then he can take guys like Scotty Davis and Callum Black, and he can elevate them up to his level and he can, you know, stand and bang with Walter and, and create this storyline of believability. You talked about the punches, but creating this believable storyline that the punches and the boxing of Jordan Devlin is going to be that ace in his sleeve to finally be the guy who I can was take down watching Walter. this. I was in there watching this match and I was almost thinking of it like just so, like subconsciously like, man, Jordan, like Jordan has that like, has that has, has that has that boxing background in his back pocket? I wonder how that gets used here. And I was almost thinking of it in like in a way of if, if it was like a real fight. And like I know that yeah. Thatcher won, and I know that this is <laughs> and I know that this isn't fucking like rings where like there might be a little bit of like I don't know if this is I don't know if this one has worked or not or whatever. Like I, I know that this completely worked, but I was still thinking of like man, Devlin has that has that boxing background. I wonder how Thatcher combats with that, and like that's the kind of credibility that Devlin does bring to something. Right, yeah, he's built that up, and and yeah, I loved like the, the he he uses the de- I didn't expect it. He does the Devlin side, but he does like a shoots. You know, it's it's really more of just a side suplex because it's a shoot style. He's not going to pull off this the big crazy over the top version that he does as the as kind of a finish in in matches. So that was really cool. The fucking um, uh, Kimura suplex, uh, the Americana or whatever suplex, double wrist lock, I guess, suplex by Thatcher is fucking crazy. Like, such a cool spot. Oh, yeah, that was fucking insane. That was brutal looking. And just, I mean, yeah, this was, this kicked ass. But, yeah, I mean, you talked about it, but Devlin being able to fill all those roles I was mentioning, also be able to be this legitimate ace, wrestle big, come up with this striking combo to stand toe-to-toe with Walter and and be believable that he can put Walter down. All of that stuff. But then also here, I mean, to me, I think Thatcher is best in shoot style when he gets to play the big man and the bully. 
and be over the top aggressive and and you know it, he doesn't always have to be bigger but he he'll do it also against guys that are the same size as him or even bigger than him if the kind of the setting is that he's above them when it comes to grappling prowess um the match that pops in my head thinking about that was the first Makabe versus Thatcher match where where he really bullied him um and you know with everything else about Devlin he comes in here and he plays the underdog and gets bullied by Thatcher and to to help deliver a better match because like I said Thatcher is is so good when that's his kind of his role so you know again it, it makes the match better and so again it just shows like how smart how good Devlin really is in that like to make the match the best he plays the role that makes the most sense in this match even though he can do it all we talked about it he can do everything and I think that he gets overlooked because maybe he doesn't have a great look he's not the best promoter I think he's got a good look but he doesn't have a, a really flashy look he's not the best at promos you know so he doesn't come across over he doesn't really leap off the page but he's so good at everything like you talk about and the, and the ability to work with everyone and and to really mesh with anyone and make everything work. I mean, sh- shit, we were just talking about he can stand toe-to-toe with Thatcher and grappling. He can fly with Osprey, but then also he can do character work and drama with David Starr. You know, so he's... Those are, like, the guys were the best in those, like, three different versions. I mean, there's probably more things we could come up with, but, like, the best of the best of the three, you know, things, shoot style, flying, and, like, drama. And he's able to be there and not just be you know, taken along for the ride with one of the best in the world, but really be their equal and stand toe to toe with them in, in every aspect of every kind of, of all kinds of wrestling. I mean, fucking Jordan Devlin, man, he, he rules. And I think you're right that even with us and a lot of people appreciating how good he is, I think still underappreciated how great he, he really is overall. Devlin, right might, he might be the best wrestler in the world. Like if we're like, and I'm not and obviously based off body of work, there might be other people ahead of him. David yeah. Starr and Osprey, like the popular choices of people that, like based off body of work in a particular in this particular year, those guys might be the might be the wrestler of the year. But as far as just pure talent right now, I'm not sure that Devlin isn't the best wrestler in the world. Yeah, and I mean, you know, for me personally, following the 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 kind of uh, the 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 kind of the trend every year, you know, a lot my my. I give a lot of credence to being the best ace, the best champion in wrestling and his OTC title run kicked ass. So, I mean, you know, put all that stuff together. Devlin's feels like a shoe in for me for wrestler of the year. We'll see. I still haven't completely decided, but like with all that stuff combined, I mean, he really fits the dynamics of what, you know, speaks to me as being the best wrestler, you know, in the world. So this was great. Um, the, the finish, like you said, the knockout finish with Thatcher, just really just beating the shit out of him was, was, awesome for brutality for ending the show with something that just feels yeah just viscerally violent for a show like this um any close any closing thoughts i'm like i I think me and you both have fond memories of tetsujin yeah i think we're we're not happy to see it go but it went it went out on a high note and i think that's the only thing you could ask for here tetsujin didn't overstay its welcome it stayed as a sort of inconsistent whenever they feel like doing an event in I feel like ending it the way they did. It was a real, it was a really strong show, a good show, and I think that's that's the only thing you can ask for. Sometimes in wrestling is that you get to go out on your own terms, and yeah. I think Tatsujin definitely got to do that. Yeah, definitely. And it's a bummer. And you know, now we've officially reviewed all three of them, and all three of them in like a different format, which is very funny. Um, but we did end up talking about all three of the tournaments in some kind of podcast. You can check them out. Um, they're, I think they're all still online probably. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
it's a bummer to see it gone. I would have really liked this one to be a tournament again, just to fit with that. But I mean, this show was great still. So, you know, good stuff. Um, all right, Quentin. Well, I mentioned wanting to talk about star a little bit in the news stuff. Um, just really to give a shout out and a plug to this David star interview with, uh, with our, with our good pal, Jamesy over on uh, post wrestling, the British wrestling experience. Like they really need our plug, you know, that, that post wrestling I think is doing all right, but really kick-ass interview and really goes to show all the stuff we're talking about star, like just how committed he is to wrestling, um, is why he's so good at it. You know, why he's so, uh, so talented and so, so wrestler of the year <laughs> so having such a great year so i know you also listened to it did you have anything you wanted to uh, to say about the interview yeah man it's, it's it's really it's really good i was surprised at how open davis star was about a lot of stuff you can clearly tell that he wasn't happy about a lot of things that have happened this year from wxw really not caring about whether or not davis star beats walter in any other promotion uh to progress being pretty much fucking cowardly weirdos throughout the whole year about David Starr. Um, It sounds like progress has been a mess the entire year. It sounds like they have no clue what they're doing, which again, if if you just know the history of progress is completely against everything that they've ever done. And it feels like the last year or so they've just completely lost it. And NXT UK is like, fuck them, fuck them up a lot because they were very meticulous and planned out before this and yeah it feels like they're just up in shambles right now and david star doesn't seem happy to be there or work there and if david star is done working there then they really have nothing going for them at that point which like again it's not going to kill them people love progress they have fond memories of progress so people will keep going and keep talking about them but losing david star and then you look at the rest of that roster and what's going on it's looking it's looking kind of bleak so like that, that that was my big takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's interesting we've we've heard podcasts with uh with disgruntled wrestlers in the past and guys going real scorched earth, you know, one of the most popular or most famous ones is probably, you know, Colt or CM Punk on Colt Cabana's show. And uh the interesting thing about David is that there was stuff that you could tell he was upset about, but really calm, really kind of sees the big picture and you could tell wasn't really he annoyed upset but didn't really seem angry didn't really seem you know and and i think that that's really good honestly he seems like he's probably pretty healthy mentally comparatively to a lot of other wrestlers who are just complete shit shows you know what i mean and people who are just so like emotionally chaotic and all over the place like david really seemed like pretty well-rounded well-adjusted person for being in the wrestling industry which is super rare so gotta give a gotta, gotta say that was pretty pretty nice to hear someone who had some gripes and and some probably warranted gripes and maybe some gripes that aren't warranted maybe you know being a little bit over the top with his, the, his sense of self and things like that or whatever and that's fine and maybe he's not the healthiest person because you know vanity searching on twitter is probably not the best for you especially when you're like at least somewhat popular or whatever um but uh but still at least he sounds like he's <laughs> sane um Got some news oh, um, notes. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, one, one more takeaway was David Starr did talk a little bit about the whole Devlin and the whole Devlin-Walter story that they had going on at OTT. And it sounds like that story is over. They Like, again, they, uh, he said on there that they don't even know what the next step is and that that was recorded before the Starr versus Bailey match that happened in OTT on uh, November 30th. So... 
what do you what do you make of the fact that Starhead went on there and he he acknowledged that the big turnarounds for the match or the feud with Devlin becoming what it was is that Walter match and when he stepped on the title belt people cheered for it and then people booing when Devlin came out and got the and got the decision reversed and I think me and you like we both know that those were big moments maybe when we were reviewing the match we didn't touch we didn't touch on it but we both knew that those were turning points but I think what both of us were saying is that OTT knew that though and they didn't adjust Walter versus Star happened in June and there's a there's a four month gap between the between that match and then the Devlin Star title match they could have adjusted. I think that I think that was like more our point there is I feel like they didn't adjust when they had more than enough time to do that. Yeah, and I thought one thing I thought from that that was interesting um, was basically you know just him saying it and how it really shows what a good mind. Because hindsight, it's always very easy to say, well, of course that was going to happen, but you know, for him to say in the moment, even Walter said, "Well, you step on the title, that's going to turn you babyface." And yeah, which people, it shows you the kind of mind, like yeah, you no, know, he's a gigantic coward. But Walter has a, an incredible mind for wrestling, right? Yeah, there's the fact that he was the only person with the foresight and the clarity, saying like that's this is definitely what's happening, and everyone else was kind of like, well, we'll see, maybe, maybe not. And Walter, and he's like, just, dude, you're just yeah. gonna, this is gonna turn your baby face. Yeah, he's like, is, ah, we'll see. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and, and then yeah, to know that it sounds like stars taking a very laissez-faire kind of attitude towards the whole thing is very interesting saying a lot of like well we'll just see how things go and we were just playing it by ear and we were just you know and really even saying like we lost control like a, a quite a bit so it's very interesting to think that and and you mentioned it but the the bailey match uh i don't know if you you did watch it right you've seen yes yeah, yeah yeah so when you talk about that i mean in the context of that match I, i'm i'm like i i think i've been vindicated <laughs> like i'm like i think i what my kind of take on the whole thing was proven right and I think it made a lot of sense that Bailey would be his first defense because Bailey's the most pure baby face that you could have him going against, right? The it's, setup is is star as a heel, and he works as a heel, but the crowd eats it up and they love him the whole way. So it's, I do. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Like yeah. So they boo him during the match, but like you know, it's like it's still like fifty fifty, you know, all sometimes going sixty forty towards Bailey, but they cheer star during his entrance. They see that star is a heel, and they start to boo him, but. You know, it still remains somewhat even. And then the post-match happens, and he still, he, like, it, that firmly established that he was a heel. He attacked Bailey, who came back in to shake his hand. Yeah. It, but And then the crowd just erupts in cheers. And then it turns into this, like, Cena, like, peak Cena-esque, like, fuck you, like, fuck you, David, let's go, David thing. Where, like, half of the crowd is, like, really fucking pissed at David Starr. And then the other half is just eating up whatever he does. So, I don't know where this is headed. And I can see, thinking, like, again, this may be the most uh, most explored idea of Shades of Grey that we've had since Steve, like, that we've had since Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And even then, I don't think that was intentional back then either. I think this is a intentional thing they're going for. But... Yeah, like I, I, I kind of got annoyed, man. I got really annoyed seeing Star, uh, Larry at Speedball, and that just, and the uh, the crowd just erupt in cheers, and I was like, 
like all right man like like what are we doing here <laughs> yeah i mean i still i still firmly think i think he's clearly a heel and he's working as a oh, heel he's going up against clearly a heel and the crowd just loves him and i we'll see how the story continues to go i'm not proven right in that the story pays off the way that i think that it could and, and should um but so far i think you know this is a, a exactly what i would expect that he continues to be a heel and the crowd continues to eat it up and love him um and then you know that's basically the story here is that he's just got them under his spell um which it's a great it's a great it's a great it's a great match like yeah i don't want to just not talk about the match like star is fantastic in it man star is really really good in this match i like i like him in this match more than i like him in the devlin match speedball's great in it it's nice to finally see speedball get something to sink his teeth into this match maybe goes a little bit longer than it needed to but you know whatever they're two of the best wrestlers in the world and they made it work but yeah i think i think right i think what you said you are vindicated in that star does these like these horrible actions and then he flips and then he flipped the crowd back on his side by taking a cutesy shot at walter which masked up the fact that he just lariated st- lariated st- um, speedball for no reason at all and then he has the young boys out at ringside he you know brainwashes them and tells them like you're part you're part of ott right well this title belongs to you and you and you and then they he drops the mic and they carry and they carry him in the ring and all that stuff so what you're saying is proving to be true they sort of like brainwashing the the audience and members of the roster but i don't i don't know where this goes yeah it's 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 interesting and it's very kind of weird stuff and it can go bad at any moment because it's pro wrestling you know of course um got some news notes from from Korwu the the underscore Korwu but honestly I know I said we'd do it but I don't know do you care about hitting any of the news stuff like scroll um, we talked I feel like we talked Marty scroll to death already um yeah, yeah, no, I, don't, I don't really want to talk about ACH, ACH again yeah you know I mean whatever <laughs> Walter gets his UK title stolen uh Luke Harper Sin Cara Ascension all you know released um I think all I think all of those were ninety were ninety day ninety day no compete clauses too. Nice, fantastic. Which I, which, we yeah, which I, which I think is interesting because um, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if there's anybody that's back there, you know, that was aware and is now taking precautions to maybe release the people that aren't going to resign because then you can at least hit them, hit them with a with a no compete and yeah. sort of stop their buzz instead of doing the John Moxley and. You know he's no he's not he's no he's not he's he knows he's not he's not going to resign. So when his contract expires, he's free to do whatever he wants. And I wonder if there's any actions being taken in WWE to prevent that. So you know if the revival are unhappy, I wonder if the revival get released before right. their contracts expire, so they can at least like kill their kill their momentum or something on the way out. Yeah, I mean I feel like revival's momentum's already kind of killed at this point. But uh, but yeah, I mean I mean and these are two guys. I mean two of the the singles, not the ascension, but Sinkara and uh, Luke Harper both asked for their release. So those are people that would have weighed out out the contract because they've already told you they want to leave. So yeah, I mean there is probably something to that 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 they're picking out people that they want to uh, kind of hamper their ability to just take their ball and go somewhere else. I guess as they say or whatever. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, We'll see where that goes from there. We got a couple of WWE uh, wellness violation pops. Uh, Primo and and Robert Roode. Who cares? Like who cares? I don't know. Quentin, you got I, any news I, or anything? Go ahead. For for one, I am shocked that forty two year old Bobby Roode, who looked like he was sculpted by the gods, 
got popped for PEDs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but also, it's WWE who gives a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Quinn, you got any news or anything else you want to hit on or matches or anything before we head out then? Uh, Gashitono versus Tyler Bate from the fake TV show was really genuinely great. It reminds you that if Kashitono didn't sign, that he probably would still be a top five wrestler in the world. Oof. And it just, and it just, it's, it's that good. That hurts. You got you, you, you to watch it. He would still be a top five wrestler in the world. Yeah, um, that hurts to think about. So, I would, I would say, I would say, check that out if you want to be happy and delighted, but also get really infuriated and frustrated at the same time. And Artemis Spencer versus Shaft from Defy. I, I watched earlier before we recorded this. One thing, Defy has to do a, has to do a better job putting their content out. I understand that the focus of some wrestling promotions is they focus on like on the live gate and getting people to buy tickets to the show. But Artemis Spencer versus Shaft happened in August. Yeah. It is now December and has been released. Yeah. That's not accept that's not acceptable from anybody. PWG would get shit for it and has gotten shit for that. I like it might not be your focus, but I I, I you know, I will like oh, that that's ridiculous. But it's great. It's a little bit different than what you usually see from Artie. Artie is sort of geek, geeky, nerdy, underdog ba- underdog babyface guy where he's unassuming but then you look at Artie and he does all this really great technical wrestling and oh Artie can fly and oh Artie can do strikes oh shit Artie can do pretty much anything in the world and instead of that we see Artie sort of turn up the aggression and be the aggressor and the uh, more inflictor of violence in this match against a bigger against the much bigger guy in Shaft which obviously is to make Shaft look as good as possible because he won the title off of Artemis Spencer in that match. But Artie really turns up the nastiness, turns up the meanness in that match. And if you're just interested to see that match or just see Artie and how, how different he is in that, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, sounds like a great match, and I'll give it a, I'll give it a check out here pretty pretty soon. Unfortunately, it seems like a lot of the Pacific Northwest, unfortunately, uh, is just weird. It's fucking weird. Not even just weird, but like behind the times man eccw mm. most of their stuff only gets posted because of a friend of ours filming it on his camera and putting it on youtube you know, you, you know what it is man it's like i i just can't imagine thinking about wrestling this way when the english wrestling team just like blew like blew the doors off of everything right when you can argue that because of english wrestling being so accessible that maybe people were running promotions that had no business running promotions and that'd be a, and that'd be a valid critique Maybe there's less regulations to go through and everything, so people were able to run promotions without having the hassles that the U.S. like U.S. promotions have to go through to get set up and running. Maybe, but there's no excuse for for one region of the world to be able to put up their content timely and just put up everything out there for you to see, whether it's a streaming service or YouTube, and put it all out in a timely manner. And we still have stuff in the United States where people will run these shows and have no intention of putting them out at all. Yeah. Yeah, and even the fucking, like, you know, cage match wrestling data pages for this stuff. Like, uh, Artie lost one of the two championships that he had in ECCW, and none of the websites list that the championship has changed, that Trevor Travis Williams is the champion now. 
um, because like this stuff just doesn't get out. Nobody updates anything. Nobody cares. No one's paying attention. So it's just it's a bad look overall. It's like impossible to have any buzz. And I guess you're just trying to sell tickets to people to go to the shows in person. So all those people know the title changed, I guess. So whatever. But it just seems again, I think you talk about it, but the UK scene was built off of pro- basically progress, putting a show up on YouTube for free um, and then kind of their on-demand service and then it exploded and wwe opened up a fucking a promotion there just to try to put it out of business because of all that so you know uh you could maybe see that and say like yeah this kind of works this model works putting stuff out there does actually get buzz and people coming to your shows and people caring about your what you're doing so we'll see um either way um there was some i was gonna make some kind of quip and i forgot what it was doesn't matter uh Quentin, I think you can close it out for the evening. Uh, go ahead and follow us at QNTR on Twitter. And next week we talked about it, but that is going to be the beginning of the top 50 wrestlers of the year. So you won't be getting a QNTR, but you're going to be getting both of us doing the Psychology is Dead annual top 50. So be on the lookout for that in your feeds. We don't know exactly how we're going to release these things yet. But be on the lookout for that. All that stuff, all that stuff will be out and ready to go and recorded. So hopefully you're all listening to that stuff. <laughs>